Hi, I'm Rach. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Hair Podcast. And today we're talking about false colours. So, Rach, I, I've been concerned about you today because the temperature has hit 30 degrees Celsius. And I know, as we all know now, that 25 degrees is your perfect temperature and anything above that is just untenable. So, how are you? How's it going? Well, to be honest, um, I haven't particularly noticed the heat mm. because I've been in my living room, which is at the back of the house and not where the sun is coming in. Okay. However, at 3.30 when I went to pick up my son from school, that's when it hit me how <laughs> how hot it was. Walk up the hill wasn't pleasant. Did you just like decide, no, I'm going to leave him there? This isn't worth it. I need to turn back. I mean, it was it was a close run thing, but um, no. And and now it is hot because I'm in the top of the house and um, it's, it's it's humid. It's got muggy, hasn't it? Muggy. Yeah. Rach, Rach lives in a lighthouse, by the way. I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> top of the house. Yeah. So how have you been, Sue? Yeah, good. Thank you. I've just had a week off because uh, um, my in-laws were visiting, so mm. we did a few, like a few things with them, including one that made me think of um, Georgia Hair fans everywhere. Because I went to the Hellfire Caves in West Wickham. So they were like an old chalk mine that then got used for debauchery. So, you know, aristocrats with really? too much time on their hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aristocrats with too much time on their hand, including um, Hogarth, uh, mm. the fourth Earl of Sandwich. Benjamin Franklin wasn't a member of the club, but apparently went there every now and again. Um, but yeah, they, they showed up in this like underground cave system for candlelit drinking debauchery basically they had orgies from what i can make out oh and possibly some satanic rituals wow these days they've got you know a cafe so slightly less exciting but i was kind of i i'm thinking none of our regency rakes would have been around for that but possibly some of the georgian ones i'm not very clear on the history on the timeline to be honest but um i enjoyed kind of picturing rakish devilry going on yeah that sounds pretty exciting yeah now this one, false colours, not very rake heavy, is it? It's not. It's not our heroes. Well, our our hero is um is quite sedate, really, isn't he? He's a lovely young man. Um, but before we get to him, shall I start with a summary? Go for it. Younger son Kit returns from Vienna to find his twin Evelyn has disappeared, just when he was on the verge of marriage to Cressy Staveley, a marriage of convenience intended to rescue their beloved but profligate mother from her debts. Kit, very much against his better judgement, pretends to be Evelyn for one evening. But of course, Evelyn doesn't return as soon as they'd hoped, and Kit is left to carry on the charade, knowing that one false move could cause scandal. Not to mention the fact he's falling for Cressy as the whole affair threatens to fall around his ears. Lovely Kit, eh? Such a nice hero, isn't he? Nice young man. He's like, I was kind of thinking, Freddie Standen, but smarter. Yep. Yes. But yeah, I think yeah. I mean, a lot smart and, and and you know, in in a proper job, um, mm-hmm. a, a, a diplomatic position. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess he has to be like that for his job, doesn't he? And he's um, well suited to it. Yes. He. The people do report that he is good at his job. Um, I've got a, a quick description of his physical appearance, just so we can all yeah. picture this. At four and twenty, he was a well-built young man, slightly above the average height, with good shoulders, and an excellent leg for the prevailing fashion of skin-tight pantaloons. He was darker than his mother, his glossy locks showing more chestnut than gold, and there was a firmness about his mouth which hers lacked. But his eyes were very like hers, lively, 
their colour between blue and grey, and laughter really far from them. He had her endearing smile as well, and this, with his easy unaffected manners, made him a general favourite. He was as like his brother as four prints to a groat, only those most intimately acquainted with him being able to tell them apart. What difference there was did not lie perceptibly in feature or in stature, unless they were stood side by side, when it could be seen that Kit was a shade taller than Evelyn, and that Evelyn's hair showed a trifle more burnished gold than Kit's. Only the very discerning could detect the real difference between them, for it was subtle, and one of expression. Kit's eyes were the kinder, Evelyn's the more brilliant. Each was more ready to laugh and to frown, but Kit could look grave for no reason that Evelyn could discover, and Evelyn could plummet from gaiety to despair in a manner foreign to one of Kit's more even temper. As children they had squabbled amicably, and turned as one to annihilate any intruder into their factions. During boyhood it had been Evelyn who had inaugurated their more outrageous exploits, and Kit who extricated them from the consequences. Which, apparently, is um, a characteristic that they continue on with. Yeah, I do love it, the way that Haya, in 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 a few paragraphs, can basically sum up Mm. such a lot about two people and and, and set and set up the book because obviously you know quite a lot of the premise of the book is the differences between the brothers yes and it just sort of it sets it up nicely doesn't it everything you need to know really about them and about Mm. their differences is in there um although I think they're missing something out because in my experience there's always one slightly chubbier twin (laughs) not necessarily chubby but just you know Slightly rounder. I think if that's it, a rounder face. <laughs> we all apologise. We apologise <laughs> for any twins listening. There's nothing wrong with a rounder face. Uh, you know, definitely not. not I've got a round face. <laughs> um, okay. I do. Um, and yeah, she creates this character in, in Kit. I, I think he's so likable because he's got. <laughs> I was I was thinking that one of the reasons I really like him is his is his huge love for his mother. And then I was thinking, mm. yeah, but Edward Yardley had that when we were talking about Venetia, and he was horrific. Um, but I think with Kit and Evelyn, their love for their mother is more about protecting her. And it, there's like a, you know, they're all genuinely charming in that family. And absolutely understanding her faults, mm. probably Kit more than Evelyn. Um, yeah, understanding that she's um, erratic and... Um, and all of that, but but yeah, but recognizing her charm as well, and 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 more, and more than anything, the fact that she would she would do anything for them, and yes. it's it's just a nice little it's just it's a nice little family unit, isn't it? And you just get yeah. senses a lot of love there, which you don't tend to get a lot of in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. They're quite they're quite often dysfunctional families, mm. but yeah, she was ready to move to the continent um, and live the life of a isolated woman without means in order to save her sons which you know that's very kind yeah luckily she didn't have to do that she uh used upon another plan which mm. we'll talk about later <laughs> yeah but but kids is a nice character isn't he and it's just it's just quite nice to have like a nice even tempered reliable <laughs> uh, hero well yeah because um, his mother's kind of having a go at him at the beginning isn't she it's like oh you know you're getting a little bit stayed a little bit boring you would have been up for this kind of uh adventure previously yeah um but, you know he's just grown up a bit hasn't he but i think also he he hasn't got boring because he's still hilarious that there's the scene where he um he <laughs> he comes across mr horning who is one of his mum's um admirers mm. 
and uh, let me read it mm-hmm. i just love what he does so i'll remind you here that his mother is absolutely gorgeous and people are mad for her um mr horning said with a challenging look i've been visiting lady denville my lord no have you said kit how very kind of you kind repeated mr horning blankly as long as she didn't find your visit rather too much for her at her age you know and troubled as she is with the gout i collect my lord that you have some objection to my visits interrupted mr horning glaring at him not the least in the world said kit cordially you've been reading to her i dare say and keeping her quietly entertained which is an excellent thing it is a hard matter to induce her to rest but at her age you know lord denville i regard her ladyship as an angel said mr horning reverently oh no no you take too melancholy a view of her case kit assured him we trust she may with care enjoy several more years of life and tolerably good health with these optimistic words he smiled sweetly at the stunned poet and passed into the house love it yeah that is great Little rascal so should we move on to cressy then yeah i like cressy also a very likable character isn't she mm-hmm. um and so she is intelligent um and very perceptive because she notices the difference mm. in um kit stroke <laughs> evelyn um yeah. but i don't when she's introduced there's a bit which i'm not happy about oh tell me so, what. well um so this is where um amabelle this is where kit's mother is telling kit um about the proposal um that evelyn has has made mm-hmm. and that he intends to marry cressy so so yeah so so this is where she's introduced Cressida, Miss Staveley, in every respect what one would wish for, Kit, a young woman of the first consideration, not a schoolroom chit, but of romantic notions. She has what Henry calls a well-regulated mind, though she is not, I assure, I assure you, a blue stocking. I don't say she is a beauty, but I think her very pretty, and with a good deal of countenance, besides, besides having a well-formed figure and truly exquisite taste, she will fill her position to admiration better by far than I ever did, for she conducts herself with perfect propriety and will never give Evelyn cause to blush for her. And how comes it about this highly finished piece of nature is on the shelf? He asked sceptically. She is not on the shelf. To be sure she is 20, which might lead you to suppose that she has never received any eligible offers. But that is not the case at all. She received several offers when her grandmama brought her out, but she refused them all because she thought it her duty to remain with her pa. She said, she had met no one she liked better than Stavely. But the fact is, she is his only child and she has kept house for him since she was 16. He was used to dote on her too. So, yeah, so my issue is 20 means <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know we've had this before, but I'm not quite sure that it was, you know, when they get to 26, there's a question about whether they'll ever marry, mm. but 20 seems mm. very young to be questioning Um that whether she'll that, yeah she'll ever be married um, and I'm not yeah. strict I'm not sure that's strictly true I think the av- even then the average age was around you know 19 or 20 to marry so I'm not sure okay. it was that common to marry a lot younger than that but you know what Haya takes in the form of Cressy she gives to us with Lady Denville who is 43 yeah. and still absolutely stunning yeah men at her feet multiple men yes and I, you know what, in terms of El- Cressy not receiving eligible offers by the time she's 20, 
the kind of offers I was getting before I was 20 were not eligible ones. <laughs> in all other respects, that um, is um, a very complimentary passage about Cressy. And, oh, yeah. And it explains nicely, it goes on to explain nicely why she was in the situation where she would exp- she mm. would um, mm. receive an offer from someone that she doesn't love because um, her, her stepmother, who's around the same age as her, um, mm. is quite jealous of her and not and it, so it's not a very nice situation and so you can understand yeah. her situation quite well from that um I think that there's definite echoes of Venetia and um you know a new woman coming into the house and suddenly there being a little bit of wrangling over sort of who holds the reins yeah. and I think um Cressy actually acknowledges that herself she does say you know I I like running my my own household I would find it really difficult to to step back yeah, and she um, doesn't like her mama-in-law, does she? She, no. um, she she's not she's not a particularly likable character. So, yeah, I think there are lots of ways that Cressy is just going to be a fantastic diplomat's wife. That you know, she she actually wants to travel, so that's great. And then, yeah, she she's very good with people. Um, we'll come to it later, perhaps. But her her dealing with Mrs. Alperton, um, yeah, and then the, the way the way she steers Lady Denville towards marriage with Bonamy Ripple. I I think the first time I read that I wasn't any, I wasn't entirely sure she was doing it. It was it was so nicely done. And then it was only on rereading it I kinda of like Yeah, yeah, no, she was she was pulling the strings there. Very nicely done. Yeah. Um yeah I'm probably I'm not quite sure I did get that from it. But um Oh she admits it later on in the book she Yeah, she Yeah she, she comes clean it. on that front. Um yes. So um and and I, and I do like that um so quite early on she recognizes the difference in as we said before in mm. um kit and um, kit sorry, evelyn she finds out doesn't she or she she works it out that they are confirms different her people. suspicions confirms suspicions yeah yeah i like that about about her because she's initially on the edge of saying you know what actually i don't yeah. think evelyn are going to suit and it was only when then kit appears on the scene and they sort of just instantly connect that she thinks, oh, hold on, I'll give it a little bit longer. Um, yeah. But I think what I what I like is that people behave reasonably sensibly in this book. As in, Evelyn and Cressy, and then Cressy and Kit, have some quite honest, admittedly awkward conversations about what they want from marriage mm. and the importance of getting to know each other, which is, is great. Um, I like the fact that when when what happens comes out, she's actually very cool about it she she understands that he was trying to save her from humiliation um from you know looking like she was being stood up in front of her family you know he's he does have quite good reasons for doing what he did and she understands them and doesn't doesn't blame him for it whereas i think in other lesser books by other authors there would have been a whole oh god i can't believe he did this to me i i can't stand him anymore but but no she's just nice and cool about it nice and practical Mm, um mm. yeah and in fact for what is quite a ridiculous situation i mean somebody mm. you know one twin impersonating another, another another twin and then getting in a pickle because of that um the it, it you know you can understand every single one of their motivations and yeah. yeah it's all it's all fairly believable because of that because their their motivations get explained so well you know the bond between the twins um yeah. Cressy situation, um, Amabel's situation. It, it's all, yeah, hmm. re- they all act reasonably for their situation, don't they? 
and I like the fact that um in this one as well they actually again get to spend a bit of time with each other which is always my preference when there's a, a romantic kind of element yeah. to it it's quite a sweet romance isn't it the way yeah. it builds up um yeah, yeah they're thrown together and they just realize that they really like each other and that they'd suit very well mm. um so should we talk a bit about the relationship and the, the points where we can see that it's developing yes let's do that So there's a bit fa fairly early on, which is very sweet. When Kit's gone into the country to try and get away from people that might recognise that um, he's not Evelyn, mm. um, but the dowager, Lady Stavely, um, invites herself to visit. So, yeah, so she's come She's um, come to stay with him. And they're, um, they're having a frank conversation about um, their situation and... Mm. Um, the fact that um, they're not sure whether they want to they want to actually marry. Mm. The truth, Miss Stavely, without any flummery, is that the more I see of you, the greater becomes my conviction that you're worthy of a better man than I am. She wrinkled her brow. Is that a civil way of telling me that you would like to cry off? No, it's a way of telling you that you are a darling, he said, lifting her hand and lightly kissing it. The words were spoken before he could check them and with a sincerity that brought a wave of colour into Cressy's cheeks. He released her hand, thinking, I must take care, and I have never known a girl like this one. I mean, in terms of taking care, I don't think... I mean, he then just goes on to spend a lot of very idyllic time with her. So, a little bit later on. Um, on sunny days they rode together, or played at battle door and shuttlecock. When it rained they played billiards, or sat in comfortable talk. Once, at her request, he took her to the long picture gallery, regaling her with an irreverent history of his ancestors, many of whose portraits lined the walls. She entered into the spirit of this, and capped with aplomb his top-lofty boast of a recusant priest in the collateral, with an account of the Stavely, who had blotted the escutcheon by having journeyed so far into Dun territory that he had seen nothing for it but to take to the high Toby. Doesn't that sound like they're having a lovely time together? It does. I mean... And also, what's he going to do? He can't. He can't. You know, he's she's staying with him. He can't avoid her at this mm. point. And it's just mm. sort of inevitable that they have to spend time together because they are supposed to be getting to know each other. And yeah. he you know, tried. At, he tried to keep yeah. his distance. At this point, there's no turning back, is there? He's just in the situation. Mm. And I think, and and he says it, doesn't it? That when he's at this point, he knows he will have to tell her the truth because, uh, you know, when Evelyn does turn up. Yes. She, she's certainly going to notice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so actually, I've got, I've got that bit here. Kit's own affections might be very thoroughly engaged, but it seemed incredible to him that Cressy, apparently impervious to Evelyn's charm, had fallen in love with him. She certainly liked him, but it would take more than mere liking to overcome the revulsion she must surely feel if he told her how outrageously she had been deceived. It did not so much as cross his mind that she need never be told. He was going to tell her the whole truth just as soon as he could do it, with Evelyn's knowledge and when Cressy was no longer in the intolerable position of being a guest at Ravenhurst. The hoax at no time acceptable to him had begun to assume the colour of an unforgivable piece of chicanery. He would not have thought it surprising if Cressy, learning the truth, shook the dust of Ravenhurst from her feet with no more delay than would serve to put her grandmother in possession of the facts. So yeah, at this point we know his infections are thoroughly engaged, which is a lovely way of phrasing it. 
Um, but yeah, he's not quite sure of how much Cressy is into him. Yes. Um, but I think at this point, we know that she's falling oh, for him, yeah. don't we? And I like the not. bit in the, and also the bit in the picture gallery, that's a bit where she, um, sorry, you talked about before, uh, mm. that's the bit where she, I think it tips her over into um, thinking that they are two different people because she sees the picture of the two, mm. uh, the mm. the portrait, sorry, of the, of the two of them. And I think at that mm. point she sort of reckoned, and he says, oh, no, it's not a very good picture and all of this. But then I think <laughs> at that point she sort of, no. And um, Lady Denville, I think, accidentally calls. Um, she just kind of does like a... Several oh, times. <laughs> and then she turns definitely. the cup into something else. She? Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. quick thinking. I would struggle. Um, and then I think we get to the bit where... <laughs> um, Mrs. Alperton. Uh, well, I think it's a... Re- yeah, Mrs. Alperton. So mm. Mrs. Alperton sounds like a very... Um, intriguing woman with quite a lot of history um, so she is the mother of a woman that Evelyn has been having well who's been Evelyn's mistress and, and very happily been her mistress but this mother thinks that um, she's going to get a bit of money out of Evelyn um, by threatening to cause a bit of a scandal in front of his intended's family um, but little does she expect that uh, Cressy will just absolutely uh take it in her stride because of her slightly unusual background in that her dad was quite the the womanizer right yeah yeah absolutely so it's so it's because of that but also because she's got at this point she knows um you know she's guessed that um kit's not evelyn and so she doesn't and she knows she's in love with kit so she doesn't really care at this point does she about what evelyn gets up to no no um but it's a it's a nice scene where you see just how cool a customer she is uh yeah. so my daughter said mrs alperton in a throbbing voice seduced by that villain and left to starve without so much as a leave taking how very dreadful said cressy i must say i'm astonished i should never have thought he would have behaved so shabbily Mrs. Alperton was considerably taken aback. So too was Kit. He had hoped that Cressy would discredit the greater part of the story, but none of it was fit for the ears of a gently nurtured girl, and he had not dared to hope that she would not suffer a severe shock attended by painful embarrassment. But neither he nor Mrs. Alperton had taken into account the peculiar circumstances of her girlhood, or the undisguised gallantries of her father. Very improper indeed, pursued Cressy. I do most sincerely pity her. And you too, ma'am, for nothing, I dare say, could be more disagreeable than to feel yourself compelled to remind Lord Denville of his obligations. No, said Mrs. Alperton, a little dazed. No, indeed. So, yeah, I think Mrs. Alperton was expecting her to go into sort of, I don't know, hysterics, swoon, something like that. But instead, Cressy's yeah. just like, oh, awful that you should have to send a reminder. That's that's appalling. Yeah, it takes, takes the wind out of her sails, doesn't it? Yeah, um, very nicely done. Yeah, and we... And we um we need that bit don't we because then that um leads to the declaration yeah so yeah so they've he's got rid of mrs alperton thanks to cressy Mm -hmm. um and so he comes back into into the room he shut the door and stood looking across the room at her cressy what did you mean when you told that harrison that your affections were engaged the color deepened a little in her cheeks but she replied lightly, well, she talked so much like someone in the bad play that I became carried away myself. <laughs> Besides, I had to say something to convince her. 
I could see she didn't quite believe me when I said I wasn't going to marry your brother. He let his breath go in a long sigh and walked forward, setting his hands on her shoulders and saying, you don't know how much I've wanted to tell you the truth, Cressy. My dear one, forgive me. I've treated you abominably. And I love you so much. Miss Staveley, who had developed an interest in the top button of his coat, looked shyly up at this. Do you, Kit? She asked, truly. Mr. Fancock, preferring actions to words, said nothing whatsoever in answer to this, but took her in his arms and kissed her. Ah, so mm. lovely declaration. They both love each other. And we're only two thirds through the book. <laughs> I know, I know. I really like, I think as the reader, you know that she's figured it out, mm. but there's still something about the way she phrases it that made me gasp a little bit and kind of go oh she she knows um yeah. so it's the way, way she said um i could see she didn't quite believe me when i said i wasn't going to marry your brother and yeah. then as a reader you kind of your go brother? brother yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> i love that. that that bit's really yeah, fun it was um, it was good yeah it was a good reveal wasn't it yes and then what i like about cressy as well is that later on where her grandmother's approval is in the balance she does kind of say to her you know, I'm gonna marry him. I would rather do it with your with your blessing. So she's, I think she's brave enough to kind of go. I'm gonna do it. I know what I want. Yeah. I always appreciate that. I do have one issue with this couple though. Mom, they are soppy. They're they're little pet names for each other. Not pet names, but just the way they talk to each other makes me feel a little bit queasy. Like at some point, um, oh god, what is it? But they, it's so horrible. Oh yeah. So so she's always had this like a, a remarkable faith that Kit is going to um, come up with a plan to get them out of this. Well, that's not surprising. He's very capable. And he says uh, to the dowager, may I make a suggestion, ma'am? I know how tired you must be, but I think it's just possible that there is a way out of the tangle. Ah, breathed Cressy, raising her eyes to his in a glowing look of confidence. I knew you would find it. Oh, I knew it, my dearest dear. <sighs> dearest dear. Dearest. What? Yeah. But you know when they say things like, um, my love, my love. I mean, who actually says that? <laughs> I think it's just one of those things where you can kind of gloss over it when you're reading it. But reading it out loud, you suddenly feel like a complete twerp. Yeah. I mean, as soon as they, they need to just get over to Vienna, take the diplomatic world by storm, Kit will make a, a fantastic name for himself. So will she is a fantastic diplomatic hostess. Yeah, but she, yeah, she won't get the credit because that's how it works. But but yes, she will. We'll, well, we'll know the truth. Yeah. So um, lovely. So we know they're going to get together. That they're sorted, except... Yeah, I guess it's like, that. yeah, about two thirds of the way through, we know they love each other and it's just a case of working out a story that will make it acceptable to society. Yes. And, and I think that's it, isn't it? That the book, you know, it's, it's a nice love story, but mm. it's really about the untangling of the situation mm. they they mm -hmm. find themselves in isn't it yeah i do actually find the pacing of this book um a little bit strange in some respects I, I this time when i was reading it i got to about 100 pages in and i thought nothing's actually happened just well, not yeah evidence I'm, gone missing so not a lot does happen it's not and it, it's not really a love story it's not mm -hmm. it's not well, it, I mean, there is, it is, there's a love story in it, but it, you know, it mm. is that part of it is resolved, as we said, two thirds, um, two thirds of the book, and it's not really an adventure story. 
because often yeah. if then if it's you know if we're not in a love story we're in an adventure story or there's lots of different characters that do lots of different things that's not what we're in I I, I guess it's just it's about the different character how the different mm. characters mm. interact and play against each other and there's some lovely characters in it yeah that's the um, thing if there weren't so many fantastic characters in this I yeah. think I'd find it a little bit flat but actually rereading it, I thought this is really lovely this is a nice read and we've got this far without really talking about um, Sabonomy, who is one of the best characters, I think. Ooh. Sabonomy and his and Amabel's relationship is oh. fantastic. Ooh. I really love it. Yeah, Amabel being Lady Denville, the, the twins' mum. I think early on you see how, how well suited they are and how clearly they see each other. Um, Cause there's, there's a bit where one of her admirers is um, a poet and much like Rupert in um, These Old Shades and Devil's Cub, Bonnery Ripple is not a fan of poetry. So Lady Denville is saying that this poet um, likened her to a daffodil. Puppy, said Sir Bonamy, his eyes kindling. A daffodil? Good God. Well, I've never written a line of poetry in my life. It is not my way. But if I did write about you, I shouldn't call you a poultry daffodil. I should liken you to a rose. One of those yellow ones, with a deep golden heart and a sweet scent, said Sir Bonamy, warming to the theme. Nonsense, she said briskly. You'd be very much more likely to call me a plump partridge or a Spanish fritter. I like that. Yeah. There's a lot of description of food in this book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was intrigued by these the turtles that they, they had. They had a, a mm. lot of turtles in those days, didn't they? Yeah. Apparently yeah. They delicious. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that he's he's clearly not just gluttonous. He's he's a, a connoisseur of food. Oh, he's, he's an a expert. proper foodie, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bonamy, Bonamy's good friend, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I quite like that because he is. Yes, uh, Bonamy, not just a massive foodie, but also quite the hero, isn't he? When it comes to bailing Lady Denville out of trouble. Yes, absolutely. So, the fact that he has been so she's been entrusting him to sell her jewels, replace them with copies yeah. to get, to allow her to have some money. And instead, he's just been pretending to do that, giving her back the real jewels and giving her the money. Oh. Yeah. And he's, he's yeah. getting nothing out of that. That's just him being lovely. Cause, and also the fact he's got huge amounts of money. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make it. But he, he, I think it's not just about the money. He does it in such a nice mm. way. And mm. he doesn't want anyone to know about it. He definitely doesn't want her to know about it. Yeah. Um, he's just doing it because it's, yeah, a nice thing to do without without any um, advantage for him. No, he was very unhappy when um, Kit found out. Yeah. I do like the way that... Um, she can wrap her wrap him around her finger as well. Oh yeah, like, she can get him to do anything, including propose marriage to her <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah, in fact, at, at the end, she does. She like he. I think he's getting quite worried that she's going to make him eat more healthily. Oh, and yeah. she she kind of says, "I mean, I am going to do do that, but he's not going to know anything about it." Like, yes, that is what we. Yeah, all do. I love that bit. That is nice, but yeah, in terms of the proposal that. That is astonishing. And I think with different characters, it would just not be acceptable what she did because she she did absolutely just lay a trap for him and put words into his mouth in terms of the proposal. Um, but then when, <laughs> she gives him an out, I think, because she says, 
Now hold on, listen, let me have a look at the passage. So yes, he they're, they're having a lovely little walk around the gardens. She's already flattered him by saying that no one understands her as well as he does. Um, and he says to her, All the use I ever had for my wealth was to bestow it upon you, my dear. It's yours for the asking, and always will be. Only let me take your debts on my shoulders. Let me. She interrupted him, raising her beautiful eyes to his face and saying, Bonamy, are you, after all these years, asking me to marry you? There was a stunned pause. Sir Bonamy's round eyes stared down into hers. They were never expressive, but they were now more than ordinarily blank, and the rich colour faded perceptibly from his pendulous cheeks. Twenty-six years earlier, he had been a suitor for her hand. During the years of her marriage, he had been her constant and devoted cavalier servant. And very agreeably had those years slipped past. She was indeed the only woman he had ever wished to marry. But although the disappointment he had suffered when the late Lord Baverstock had preferred the Earl of Denville's offer to his had been severe, it had not been very long before his cracked heart had mended sufficiently for him not only to appreciate the advantages of his single state, but offer a carte blanche to a charming, if somewhat rapacious, ladybird, universally acknowledged to be a dasher of the first water. So a little bit later, um, he's obviously still looking quite uncomfortable. Uh, Lady Denville's soft laughter recalled him for this vision. Uh, she said in a voice of affectionate chiding, Oh, Bonamy, what a complete hand you are, a Banbury man no less. You don't wish to marry me, do you? He pulled himself together, declaring valiantly, The one wish of my heart. Well, you didn't look as if it was. Confess now, you've been shamming it all these years. He rejected this playful accusation with vehemence. No, that I haven't. How can you say such a thing, Amabel? Haven't I stayed single for your sake? So, yeah, I mean, you're, oh, I, you're right. I think that was all manipulation. She absolutely <laughs> couldn't back down at this point. And, um, and she, she's just, she's just manipulated that whole thing. You know, he is, he is, he is absolutely, um, say, faithful, uh, well, faithful mm. to her in terms of, um, the idea of her or yeah, her being so. the number one in his heart. The yeah. number one, exactly, um, and he can't back out. Back, and uh, you know, he's obviously very, he is very fond of her and do a lot for her. Mm. Um, and yeah, and he just can't back down now. And and, he, and she knew that he wouldn't be able to say that. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think we we get away with that situation because actually, as a reader, I think you're quite convinced that they will make each other happy. Yeah, but I love this bit at the, at the end of that passage, mm. um, and they're talking about. Yeah, they're talking about the situation. So, yes, but how fortunate, one of me, that my affairs had come to such a pass that I was obliged to consider the advantages of marrying you. But for that, I might never have thought of it, she said, or have perceived how much more comfortable I should be if I did marry you. It is all very well now to be a widow, but only think how dismal when I begin to grow haggard and I have to cover up my throat because it looks exactly like the neck of a plucked hen <laughs> and I have no flirts left to me. And then, of course, I thought of you, my poor Bonamy, and my heart was wrung. I, at least, had my beloved sons, and I might become wrapped up in my grandchildren, though it seems most unlikely and quite sinks my spirits. But what, my dear, will be left of you when your friends drop off? Yeah? Exclaimed Sir Bonamy, startled. Or die, continued her ladyship, and you find yourself alone with no one to care a straw what becomes of you except that odious cousin of yours who will very likely push you to your grave and your whole life wasted. Dear Bonamy, I cannot endure the thought of it. No, he said fervently. No, indeed. She smiled brilliantly upon him. So you see that it will all be much better for you too. 
Yes, he agreed, horrified by the picture she had um, delineated. Good God, yes. So, I mean, amazing. I I love that. I love the fact that she's worried about what her neck looks like because, I mean, I've known that for Um, But then also, I think, despite that remarkable picture she's painted, he's still not entirely... Um, resigned to it by the end because there's there's a bit where he's talking to Kit and Evelyn and um, and he has like one last ditch attempt to try and get out of it uh, Sir Bonamy paying no heed to this sees the opportunity to say in an urgent undervoice not if you dislike it Durnville naturally it's the dearest wish of my heart but no need for you to take snuff I only have to tell me for I, I wouldn't come between you and your mother for the world so yeah he's still yeah he wants out. Yeah, I mean, so I think, um, yeah, I'm, I, I, he's obviously gonna. It's gonna take him a while to give up mm-hmm. this um, hedonistic bachelor um, lifestyle that he has become so used to. Yeah, and and who can blame him for um, for being worried about losing <laughs> losing that? <laughs> but I do. I mean, everyone seems to think this is a good idea by the end of it, doesn't it? Lady Stavely. Obviously, she she says to Amabel something like, "Oh, this is the, you know this is the one sensible thing you've done," mm, mm. Um, and um, and Kit and Cressy and and even Evelyn in the end you know, agree that this is the best outcome for both of them. I mean, he's the only man rich enough to actually deal with yeah. her debts. But yeah. um, in terms of his womanizing, without wishing to go into too much detail, um thinking he's capable of much in terms of physical aspect of that these days because he doesn't seem he seems i mean he's got that corset oh god oh yeah when, when she sees him without his, cor- his oh, corset yeah, for the first said, time oh you should stop wearing the corset and then she sees yeah. him and he's horrified and he's like no no do wear it do wear it yeah, and I, 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 yeah, and so oh, yeah, so that, that pleases him in the end. Doesn't yeah. it? He doesn't, he doesn't have to give up his corset. Yeah, um, there is often a bit in Hayat novels, I think, where sometimes there are there are overweight characters, and I don't like the way that weight is associated with negative characteristics. Um, there's an element of that at Bonamy, but we are supposed to like Bonamy Ripple, um, and he, yeah. he does have a lot of good qualities. And he's a guy that just loves his food. Yeah, don't be And, wrong. you know, uh, you know, he just, he's living life how he wants. Because yeah. he can, because he's really rich. <laughs> <laughs> Putting aside the remarkable Bonamy Ripple for just a second, can we go back to talk about um, Lady Denville? Because I don't feel like we've sufficiently tackled this complex and delightful woman. Because... I I love the frippery side of her, like the, the bit of her that takes comfort in the fact that she can still attract silly young men. The bit of the bit of her that um that says that she's really indignant because um uh the Lady Stavely, I think, the grandmama, um, accuses her of dyeing her hair when all she all she's doing is merely restoring her hair to its natural yeah. colour because it faded a little bit amazing yeah. um and yeah the whole thing about having a, a haggard neck i think we can we can all feel for her on that but she's also got always hinted at quite an interesting backstory hasn't she well yes so i mean you mean in terms of the her marriage yeah 
yeah, I think her upbringing, her upbringing, I think sounded fairly cold in that she was reared to make a good marriage, but I don't suppose that was particularly unusual mm. for the day. But yes, it, the way um, Evelyn, I think, talks to Kit about that marriage and what it, because I th- earlier I think you said that Kit maybe knows that uh, his mother more than Evelyn does, but I think it's it's Evelyn that sort of has been with her the last few years, and he's the one that's angriest with how his father had treated her saying that all the things that made her so special and which captivated him in the first instance then he tried to kind of crash out of her and disapproved of when he was when she was his wife yeah that that was definitely i mean that's definitely said that that what what he liked in yeah in in his in, in the girl he didn't he didn't like in the wife oh yeah he said um everything in mama which makes her so lovable he disliked cold selfish Kestri drove her off, poked up when she showed her affection in that impulsive way she has. It was not the thing for Lady Denable to allow the world to suspect she had a heart. And that's, I think that's really upsetting, that bit about that he didn't like her being affectionate. Because you can't imagine yeah. her hiding affection, can you? She's so, she's so open yeah. with her, with her, with her affection. Yeah. And I think that kind of shows in her hostessing. She's really considerate of all her guests, isn't she? Yeah, definitely. And there's, there's a bit where they um were they talking about um the, the relationship between was well, she is recalling um how he made her feel about the debts and and, and there was mm. she had a meeting basically a meeting with her husband and the man of business about the yes or the lawyer or the man of business or the bailiff or whatever it was about her debts and yeah. how uncomfortable in a marriage mm. that must have been you know mm. you're you're, you're talking to your husband about your debts and then there's the um there's you know some other guy there yeah to judge you it's Who just also it's inc- it's, sounds it's like a situation you. Yeah. yeah yeah and then she's made to feel um inadequate after his death you know by his brother yeah um and there's that yeah. there's that suggestion that she had an affair isn't there um yes definitely somebody yeah. called matlock i think yeah and that around um, that time, they, I think that's when she was sort of threatened to be sent to live on the continent. Uh, yeah, so a lot of her, you know, the fact that she's sort of remained so carefree mm-hmm. um, is quite amazing, really, because it it was a very unhappy marriage. Um, yeah. And she's, yeah, um, she, she must have been unhappy at, at lots of points. I think because of that, it was a little bit... <sighs> initially thinking oh god she's just gonna sell herself into another marriage that you know won't make her happy isn't with a man that she loves but actually because it's Sir Bonamy Ripple and she does know him really really well and he knows her you feel like this is going to be a much happier marriage it might not be the the dream love match that everyone wants but it it's it's a decent crack at it everyone's going into that with their eyes open mm. about what that you know about what that relationship is about and you know they are fond of each other they mm. like each other's company they like good doing friends. the same things yeah exactly they really come across as friends don't they yeah I, I think that that's the reason why it will work they're just friends who um yeah but her financial situation um mm-hmm. means that it's best that they get married um <laughs> yeah so no and as you say you know he he'll be able to absorb her costs and so she'll be happy he'll be happy because he's you know he 
he, he'll be able to puff it up to all of his friends that he's he's caught mm, her mm. and and she will look after him yeah in yeah in her way and, and so I think I don't, I don't think it's um yeah I don't think it's the same as what uh, as her other relationships to be honest as well I am much more invested in um Lady Denville and Bonnery Ripple than I am in Evelyn and what is it Miss Arskin oh, she sounds whoever she is she? <laughs> I know. which you know Lady Denville does say yeah, I am with Lady Denville there about, you know, yeah, uh, yeah Quakerish. That's what she calls me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, um, <laughs> there's a bit of me that kind of wished they could have wrapped up, or hey, could have wrapped up this story without Evelyn needing to find a partner. So we could have had a follow up where, yeah, you know, we would look at Evelyn's character a little bit more. Because I, I think he's interesting as well when they, more so perhaps earlier on, where they talk about his restlessness and the kind of, loneliness he feels because his twin isn't there and i think it's it's interesting the way they describe their relationship in that it's like neither of them go on to make very close friends because they have their twin mm. but at the same time they're nowhere mm. near their twin so they're like whereas kit's busy doing his diplomacy um evelyn doesn't have that so he you know gets into some scrapes well, he, he doesn't have that but nor does he have complete control over mm. his um fortune and estates and yeah. and and that's one of the reasons why he's very restless as well and gets mm. into all of these you know he's hanging around with the wrong people and all that kind of stuff and yeah. up to locks um and the, yeah and the ladies yeah i mean it would have been great seeing a sequel where he for some reason i can't immediately fathom um has to pretend to be kit and needs to try his hand at diplomacy which is very much outside of his skill set i think that'd be great yeah, I don't think that he would do quite as well as Kit did. No, he's a good shot, so he could just, you know, shoot people. Yeah. If it came to it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it, that for all the book is quite a lot about Evelyn, we don't actually, you know, he doesn't actually enter the book until almost at the very end. Mm. And we don't really hear much from him, do we? Um no, we that's true. Sort of, yeah. And what we do hear is him sort of gushing over this angel. Yeah. But often Haya likes to put um, these you know, very um, uh, resty young men with women, who, with, with women or girls who, are, um, who need looking after. Mm. So, you know, maybe it's just that... Forces them into maturity. Yeah, exactly. Um, she, you know, this girl was... Yeah, yeah, and and makes them think of somebody other than themselves, and mm. yeah, um, so so they won't go off gallivanting and all of that. Yes. Um. Okay. But yeah, she does sound a bit boring. This girl, she's not a heroine, is she? No, not not from the the snippet that we've seen. Um, I know we haven't yet spoken about. I think maybe your favourite character. The grandmama? Well, it's between her and um, Bonamy. Bonamy, I think, yeah. Mm. But no, she, I, she's just a, she's just another great um, old lady, isn't she? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we have a few of them in these books um, that seem to be. I like these women who just who these matriarchs who seem to be able to control everybody in their family just by like raising an eyebrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just. They're terrified of her. Yeah. 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 
the Maggie um, Smith of Downton Abbey kind of yeah. kind of character but actually likes people that stand up to her mm-hmm. a bit which is why, the reason yeah. why she likes Kit um and I and I, I actually I think it's quite a nice relationship is her and Lady Denville because mm-hmm. in a way um actually they, they deal quite nicely together and there's a bit where they they both um sort of join forces against Cressy's um stepmother mm. um and and also it actually one of the things about um Lady Denville is that you know she's called a witch and a, um and, and silly and frippery and all of that but actually she knows exactly how to handle people yeah and um she knows exactly how to handle Lady Stavely so I quite like that relationship as well yeah that's true I, uh, yeah for, for me um Lady Stavely there's not much about her that sets her apart from any of those other characters that are just like her in these books. But yeah, it's, no. her, it's her relationship with Lady Denville that, that does make it feel a little bit different, a little bit special. Um, yeah, I just like, I just, I just think when you're that old, mm. it's just good. I just, I really want to be one of these people that just says whatever they want when, when they do, get When do we old. get to do that? When can we start? Um, I think... Um, I don't know. See, she she's is she eighty plus. Maybe she seems quite um, which is which, which is quite a good age for that time, isn't it? Mm. Um, so mate, yeah, definitely when we're eighty, we should be able to do this. Um, but you know, now I'm approaching forty. Yeah, but <laughs> age, age is, is yeah. I have a different opinion of what is uh, mm-hmm. elderly. No, I think we'll we'll get to like seventy five or something, and me and you when we're having our chats we'll just practice being as rude as possible to each other so that in our 80s we can start trying it out with everyone yeah 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 uh, yeah and you're in a good position because both your kids are boys so they're already going to be a bit scared of you yeah and hopefully their partners will be scared of me as well <laughs> what a delightful thought <laughs> so after the gentle loveliness of false colors um it's time to pick our next book um and it's my choice this time it is and i am gonna go for pharaoh's daughter oh yeah good one okay okay i think it's georgian i haven't read it for a very long time so i'm looking forward to it yeah i haven't read this one in a while and yeah good it's gonna have a bit of adventure i think it's got a bit of kidnapping great Okay. Um, On that note, Rachel being pro-kidnapping, goodbye for now. Bye. Bye.